Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives, and my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. pulpit so no the you know the the church the congregation could not see what was happening on the forefront and when the smoke began to clear off they suddenly saw this figure that was standing you know right at the pulpit and guess who that was satan himself satan was standing at the pulpit okay and as soon as the smoke cleared and as soon as the people realized that it was satan standing at the pulpit people in the church began to scream howl and many of them started running out of the church okay it was it was chaotic completely except for this one old lady who was sitting very calmly in the front so you know everything is cleared most of the people have gone out of the church because they are scared and they are feared okay and so satan looks at you know this woman and says aren't you scared of me and this woman you know very calmly you know she responds to satan she says how can i be scared of you i've been married to your brother for the last 30 years okay it's a very good joke but you'll probably get that you know by the time you reach home okay all right we're in week 2 of our series okay and i've titled today's i mean the series as disappointed in god all right and you know this is something that we uh, what we've been doing you know what we plan to do you know last week we saw one bible character today we're going to look at the life of somebody else you know for three weeks maybe four weeks okay we're going to be looking at the life of you know different people in the scriptures in bible you know how they were disappointed in god and how they were able to deal with it all right and uh, last week you know we looked very specifically at the life of john the baptist we saw you know how john the baptist was disappointed in jesus because you know he he expected jesus to do something but jesus didn't do it the way that he expected to all right and um, <clears throat> you know when i was thinking about you know this entire series okay i don't know if you've ever thought about this i mean how many of you watch sitcoms sitcoms okay yeah so all all of you people so do you enjoy watching a sitcom i mean everyone who raised your hands i'm sure the ones who didn't raise your hands you watch it secretly but anyways okay um do you enjoy watching sitcoms i'm sure you you know you make sure that you rerun and if you miss a you know a single episode i'm sure you rerun the whole thing i'm sure you have collections of some certain sitcoms comedies or whatever okay have you ever wondered at any point in your life only if life was like a sitcom have you ever wondered that you know because the, the good thing about a sitcom is you know there's there's a storyline there and there's you know this lot of things that's happening you know in the forefront okay but you know that you know towards the end things are going to be okay isn't that true you know that you know somehow even though you know i mean i don't know if you've seen you know certain sitcoms you know the situation seems so impossible that you might be you know watching that entire sitcom halfway through you might be thinking how is you know things going to turn out you know at the end of this whole thing are things going to be okay but somehow deep down you know that man somehow you know by the end of the sitcom things are going to be fine and i wonder how many of us have looked at life in that lens and said that man i know things are in a turmoil i know things are not going great right now but i know that one day towards the end things are going to be turning out just fine okay it's not easy to look at life okay because 
things happen you know which we are not prepared for things happen which we are not expecting all right we looked at the statement last week okay and i said this about disappointment okay um disappointment is the gap between your expectation and what reality holds you're expecting certain things you're hoping things would turn out this way you know some of us we pray and we tell god 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 would you do things this way but you know when when we face reality what we find out is that you know what we were expecting or here's the thing what we were hoping that god would do in answer to our prayers is not the way things have turned out in reality reality presents itself in a completely different tangent and we are left wondering what's going on and disappointment is that gap between what we were hoping for and what we have been given with all right and i'll explain that statement a little later today okay because we need to get a little more into that statement today okay but what are we going to do today okay i've i've titled today's message as enough god okay and enough god is literally you know last week i titled it as why god because we have all asked a question why and i believe you know at some point john the baptist was also asking that question why god okay today you know we're going to look at the character someone you know who said enough you know i quit i can't take this anymore have any of us ever been in the position like that where you said that enough i can't take it anymore all right we've had those moments in our life okay and today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of this man all right who 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 was a great man of god i'm telling you you read some of the stories and you about him and you read some of the things that god had used this man for you would be amazed at how god had used this used this man but he had come to this place you know before we read you know what we're going to read he had come to this place where he had you know completely come to a place of disappointment a complete you know into a place of disillusionment because he was not hoping or he was not expecting you know things would turn out this way the life of the man that we're going to look at today and how he dealt with the disappointment his name is elijah how many of you heard of elijah all right elijah okay elijah you know one thing that i said you know amazing man of god okay let me just give you a bit you know a brief introduction about this man okay elijah when you read through the scriptures you don't read about his birth you don't read about you know how he has grown up nothing he has an abrupt introduction in scripture his abrupt introduction in scripture is you know at that time there was a man his king the king you know his name was ahab Ahab was a you know a evil a wicked king he was a man who had walked away from the ways of the lord he was a one who you know who did not want to listen to god he did not want to do the things of what god was asking him to do he married a wicked woman her name was anybody Jezebel all right her name was Jezebel so king Ahab Jezebel okay he you know literally caused you know the israelites at that point of time to turn to worship a pagan god okay Baal Baal and Ashra were you know two gods that you know those people were worshiping and you know Jezebel brought in you know so many prophets okay the prophets of Baal all right and introduction that we're given to Elijah is one fine morning Elijah just comes before king Ahab and you know what he tells king Ahab it's not going to rain till I tell it to rain and 3 years you know what it says that you know 3 years israel went through a period of drought okay there was a famine that was happening there was no food for anyone the people were struggling literally for 3 years and at the end of 3 years it says that elijah prayed to god and god sent the rain 
people right so elijah you know had seen you know an answer to prayer there elijah was you know used by god there but what is one of the most you know outstanding victories that elijah ever experienced i think you know this if you've gone through scripture was a victory that he had at mount carmel how many of you remember that story all right he he challenged you know he challenged king ahab he said you know what we're going to go up on top of mount carmel all right and we're going to set an altar I'm just giving you a brief story okay I'm telling you listen you need to go back read this for yourself it's an amazing story by itself all right so he calls up all these people they go up on top of mount you know camel all right and there were around 850 prophets of baal 850 huge number of prophets he called all of them he called king ahab he called jezebel and he also called the children of israel to come and witness what is going to happen So there was this whole thing you know the altar that was prepared and then he tells you know the prophets of Baal he tells them why don't you call upon Baal okay we have the altar ready but let you know your god send the fire and you know the prophets of Baal you know started worshiping Baal and started you know calling upon the name of Baal they did all of those things but fire was not there Elijah was so confident so courageous that he ridiculed their gods he literally made fun of them is your god asleep you know he he literally ridicules them on top of that mountain and none of them you know could bring the fire onto the altar and story goes on to say that elijah started worshiping god and elijah said you know what let's make it a little bit more difficult for our god and he poured water on that altar he's like man it's impossible for fire to burn through water but our god can do it and he called upon god and it says that you know god sent the fire down upon that altar the entire fire was burning on that altar not just did it consume the altar but it consumed 850 people so of prophets of baal so there was a huge massacre that took place on mount carmel and elijah was standing at the top of his victorious moment where he had experienced god move in such a mighty and powerful way and by the time we read picking up this he had already come into a place of disappointment all right are you ready okay here's what it says in the book of first kings chapter 19 verse 1 to 4 this is after the mount carmel victory okay and verse 1 and ahab told jezebel all that elijah had done and how he had executed all the prophets with the sword all the prophets how many i told you the number 850 people imagine that okay is that whole of mit Okay, I'm just saying okay so i want you to imagine you know that's the number of people that were killed you know on that mountain then jezebel who ahab's wife sent a messenger to elijah saying so let the gods do to me and more also if i do not make your life as life of one of them by tomorrow about this time what is jezebel saying the way you killed those prophets on the mountain your life is going to be just like that she put a threat she posted a threat towards elijah and here's verse 3 and when he saw that who elijah saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to beersheba which belongs to judah and left his servant there but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said that's the title of our message this morning it is enough enough god enough is more enough is enough take my life for i am no better than my fathers elijah had come to this place of disappointment he had come to this place of disillusionment and man it's surprising to think that elijah of all the people should come into that place why because man just you know a few maybe a few days i don't know i mean maybe just a few moments back he had experienced a great victory in the presence of god why did elijah come into this place where he said enough is enough i can't take this anymore lord take my life 
you know what's interesting about elijah okay is he is a man who has experienced great provision from god as well i didn't mention that earlier he was a man you know when he ran out of food like i said you know 3 years there was famine that was happening in the land but elijah you know where elijah's food came from how many of you remember elijah's story are you reading your bibles please do all right elijah was fed miraculously by ravens i don't know if you remember that you know what's a raven raven is a bird and raven is a bird that does not share its food anyone who shares your food here yeah? okay i don't like sharing my food but once you get married you have to get used to that as well okay but i'm just saying you know ravens were not birds that would share their food but yet god miraculously made the raven provide for elijah in the famine when there was no food around elijah was a man who had experienced great things from god and i want i want to ask this question listen church have you any one of you ever reached a place where you said god i quit because this the challenge you know the situation was so challenging the circumstance was so difficult that man you just had no idea how you're going to move forward have you ever come into a place in your life where you said enough is enough i quit that was exactly the place elijah had reached and you know it's it's interesting because you know we we just read scripture of it says there you know that elijah he he took off um yeah verse 3 you know he saw that he arose and ran for his life so it looks like you know that elijah was scared of jezebel it looks like man the threat that jezebel posed you know was the reason why elijah was running but here's my thought to you this morning church i think it was much more than that i think it was much more than fear that made elijah run away from that particular place because man that's why i said earlier you know elijah was a man who was very courageous don't you think I mean to think you know that he could actually stand in the forefront you know challenge 850 people and say that man let your god do something if he could stand in front of an evil king and say that man i promise you this is what is going to happen if he is a man who could do things like that just because you know there was a small threat upon his life do you think he would just run away like that i don't think so i think it has to do more than just the fear that he was experiencing or if he was you know at all fearful in the first place I think it was much more than that. If he had to come into a place where he decided that you know enough is enough. I think there was a lot more that was going on inside his mind. I want you to think about this for a moment. Okay. You know, uh one of the most scariest things that's happening today in the world. Okay, and maybe you're aware of it, maybe you know people who have gone through this, okay? Because I know people who have gone through this and it's 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 very scary. Why I say it's very scary is because it's very painful. Is divorce. Okay. Survey says, you know, they they say that there is more divorce happening today in the world than marriage. There is. And people, you know, to come to a place where they decide that man, we're going to get divorced, it doesn't happen overnight. Okay a husband and wife you know one night you know they don't decide you know what let's just divorce they don't they don't they don't just immediately abruptly you know come with a decision like that it takes time to reach a place where they say that you know what i can't handle this anymore and that's why i want to quit and i believe you know elijah was going through something a lot and he had you know weighed it he had probably thought about it before he came to this place where he said to the lord in his prayer lord enough is enough i can't handle this 
And I want us to look at, you know, two reasons why I believe Elijah was disappointed in God. All right. Here's reason number one. Unmet expectations. One of the reasons, one of the first reasons I believe Elijah was disappointed in God was because he had unmet expectations from God. Now, you know, when we talk about disappointment, here's what I want you to think about. Disappointment often, you know, is because you've not seen something happen. Come on, church. Okay. Disappointment is because you don't see something happen and suddenly you're disappointed because, man, you were hoping things would turn out that way and that's why you're disappointed. But that was not the case with Elijah. Elijah wanted God to do something and God had moved in answer to his prayers. Here's what I don't want us to miss. Many people today, you know why they're disappointed? They're not disappointed because of defeat. They're not disappointed because they didn't see results, you know, the way they wanted to. They're disappointed because even though the answers came, the answers, the way they came, was not in the way that they expected it would come. Let me see if I can explain that to you. Now, you know, what I'm going to say is going to offend, you know, many of you young people. Because I've had so many conversations about this topic with so many young people, okay, and they're like, no, you know, that's the, that's the response that I often get, okay. In fact, let me ask you this, okay, here's a poll, I want to just quickly shoot a poll, okay. How many of you would prefer, okay, let me, let me put it this way, okay, I want you to vote, alright. How many of you are in for love marriage? Love marriage, anyone? You would say that, you know, love marriage is better than the other thing? The other thing is arranged marriage. How many of you are for arranged marriage here? Oh, wow, that's surprising. Not even a soul. Can I tell you something? I want to break your hearts this morning. Your pastor is a big believer in arranged marriage. Yeah. I, I, I root for it any day over a love marriage. Now ask me why. I'll tell you why. I mean, some of you might be thinking, Pastor, you are agreeing for arranged marriage because you were married. your marriage was an arranged marriage. Yeah, it's true. In fact, you know, I don't know if this would surprise because many people I've told this, it surprised them so often, you know. I've met my wife just two times before we got married. Just two times. Okay. And the first time I met her was, you know, in Kerala, they have something that's called as, you know, the Pendakarnal thing. I mean, you know, it's like the girl sings. Have you seen that in, you know, most of the Indian movies where, you know, the parents have decked up and, the, you know, the girl is decked up so the guy goes to there and then, you know, they give, you know, some time for the girl and the guy to, you know, talk and we get like, what, 15-20 minutes. That, that, that was my story. Alright? I got like 15-20 minutes to chat with her and then, you know, once we leave her home, you know, my mom is saying, so what do you think? Yes or no? <laughs> like, How do you make a decision like that? You know, with just, you know, 10-15 minutes of conversation with the girl. All right. And then, you know, I remember, you know, going back that evening and my mom was like, you decide fast. We have to give an answer, you know, by tomorrow morning. I'm like, give me some time, you know, and at least need to pray about it. And next day morning, imagine this 15, 20 minutes of conversation. I decide, you know what? I think she's the one. The second time I met her, you know, was on the day of our engagement. That's it. No dating, no getting to know each other, nothing. You know, just, just straight up, you know, this. And, and, you know, unlike you, you guys, I say you guys are, like I said, you know, in the previous series, you guys are really lucky. Why? Because you can video call, you can, you know, talk for hours because the calls are not charged. We had calls that were charged by the second. 
So it's like, you know, if I'm talking to her on the mobile phone, mobile phone is on one hand and my watch is on the other and I'm like, okay, you know what, 20 minutes, I got to hang up now because 20 minutes is expensive. We didn't have video calls. I'd never got the only thing, you know, she posted me a few pictures of her, her, you know, the proper, the real photographs. I mean, you guys don't even probably know what that is like right now, right? Yeah, I mean, so that's what, that's the only thing I got to see for a period of three months before we got married. And the third time I met her was during the day of our marriage. Why am I telling you this story? Because here's the thing that I want us to think about. Okay, and here's why I'm telling you I'm a big believer in arranged marriage. I didn't know her, she didn't know me that much. The only thing that we knew was, you know, the few minutes of conversation that we had. But here's what we both came into marriage with. We came into marriage having almost little, or can I say this, no expectation from each other. You know what the you know what survey says survey says today one of the most highest reasons of divorce is because you know the husband and wife you know they have a lot of failed expectations from each other the reason why you know marriages don't last is because man the spouse or the partner is not able to live up to the expectations what the other partner has and you know what love marriages do love marriages increases the amount of expectancy that you have from your life partner it's true I promise you. Why? Because I've seen people who do this, you know. I've, I've, I've known couples, you know, they were dating for like, you know, period of eight to nine years before they got married and they felt like they know each other so well. And when they got married and when I got to, you know, to meet them, here's what they told me. You know what? I never knew this side of that person existed before marriage. It's only after marriage, you know, I see this side of this person. I've never seen this. You know, eight, nine years we were dating and I never saw this. The reason why, you know, many couples get disappointed with each other is because they have what's called as unmet expectations from each other. And when you go in with expectation, your hopes are high, your expectations are high, and you're hoping that this is how things are going to turn out. And many times, you know, when that doesn't happen, that's when disappointment strikes. And like I said, you know, the statement that I want to put that statement up again. All right. Disappointment is the gap between your expectation and your reality. Why today many marriages are breaking off is because, man, they, 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 they feel like, you know what, this is not happening. This is not how I imagined or this is not how I expected my marriage would turn out. I was hoping and I was expecting that my spouse would be more loving. You know what I see in those Hollywood movies or Bollywood movies. I was hoping that, you know, love would just bloom in the air and we would be singing songs and, you know, embracing trees and dancing all. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fairy tale. And I'm not trying to, you know, break the, you know, the thing of marriage for all of you young people. I'm saying, telling you, listen, we've been married for 16 years now and it's amazing. I promise you that. But the difference, you know, when our marriage, why it was set on solid foundation was because, man, our marriage was not set on an expectation. This is what I expect my wife to be. Or this is what I expect my husband to be. It never came that way. And that is why it was easier to move into. Because we knew that, okay, man, I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know how they are. And we had to take time to know each other after marriage. And this is why I told you earlier, listen, I'm a big believer. Why? Because in arranged marriage simply because of this reason the expectations are much much lesser I want you to think about Elijah Elijah was in a place of disappointment Elijah was in a place it's not that he had not seen answers to his prayers it was not that man God had not answered his prayers God had answered his prayers 
But here's the why the reason why Elijah was disappointed. You know why Elijah was disappointed? Because God had answered Elijah's prayers not the way that he expected it. Elijah had answered prayers, but it was not the way Elijah had expected God to answer. What was Elijah's expectation? You see, Elijah right from the start you know, one of the things that he carried in his heart, he said, listen, if there's anything, the, all of these things that I'm doing is so that the children of Israel would turn back to God. You know, the, the whole three years of famine and three years of drought, you know, that was happening was because, man, he wanted, you know, to see the children of Israel to witness what their God could do. And he wanted the children of Israel to come back to God. But despite all of his victories, despite all of his answered prayers, you know what did not happen? The children of Israel never came back to God. And that disappointed him. That frustrated him. And that's why, you know, when you, when you read, you know, 1 Kings chapter 19, okay, um, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4 to 8, okay, it says, listen, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down at the broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And look at what, look at what you know, Elijah says. Elijah says, enough is enough, Lord. Take my life. Why? Because I'm no better than my fathers. Every prophet before him had tried to do the same thing. And they did not find success. Elijah was trying to do the same thing that his forefathers had done. Trying to bring the children of Israel back to God. But he did not experience it. God had moved amazingly. But one prayer that did not meet his expectation was the fact that the children of Israel never turned back to God. Elijah's goal was not that, you know, the prophets of Baal would be destroyed. Elijah's goal was not that rain would come down, you know, after three years when he prayed that rain would come down. Elijah's goal was that the children of Israel would turn back to God. The nation of Israel would turn back to God. It did not happen. I want you to think about disappointment for a moment. Isn't it true, you know, many times that when we pray to God, when we ask the Lord, Lord, would you move in answer to my prayers? You know, one of the constant prayer requests that I get, you know, very often, okay, is before, you know, the, chill, the, the, the young people, you know, they go, go into the exams. Have you ever asked for prayer for your exams? Come on, church. Young people? Of course you have. You know, and you know, one, one of my favorite questions to them is, I ask them, okay, you want us to pray, you know, because you're going through your exams. Okay. What do you want us to pray for? Do you want us to pray that you pass? What do you want us to pray that you fail? And you know, they look at this, you know, with a surprised look like, Duh. you know, I mean, is, it, is that even a question? You know, that, that's the look on their face. Like, I mean, how can you even pray that we fail? And I asked them this, listen, what if it's God's will that, you know, you fail this exam? Have you ever thought about it that way? And then you know what they come and say? They're like, Pastor, we don't know all that. Please pray that we pass. What if it's God's will that you fail? What if God doesn't want you to clear this exam? Because man, he has something else in store for you. But that doesn't never run our minds. And we want God to move in answer to our prayer. We want God to help us clear our exam. We want to find success in everything that we put our hands into. And then we, you know, we do it. And then we pray God, bless it, bless it, bless it, bless it, bless it. And sometimes, you know, when things don't happen and you look at it and you look, God, you could have done it, you didn't. And then we get disappointed. 
disappointment many times is not because man god does not answer prayers god answers prayers can i hear an amen god answers prayers but not always in the way that you expect him to and that is what reality is and that is what we you know we need to come you know into an understanding that man you know that's what i said this morning you know we sang that song what lord 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 have your way <laughs> It's not easy. I mean it's easy to sing that song on Sunday morning but when things are really not going your way can you still come into that place and say Lord Lord I don't understand it but have your way. And Elijah had come into that place. And he said, "You know what? I'm no better than my father's Lord. Take my life." But you know what's so interesting and so beautiful about you know Elijah's story is that despite you know where he was mentally frustrated disappointed you know in a place of disillusionment god was still walking with him god was still providing for him i want you to look at you know verse 5 all right verse 5 it says you know no go back go back go back verse 5 it says you know as he lay and slept under the broom tree suddenly an angel said to him and said arise and eat i mean think about it okay i mean god was concerned for elijah's hunger okay and i think you know because i've made this joke you know long back okay i think one of elijah's favorite food was cake all right i mean you see you know multiple times in elijah's life you know every time an angel provided for him okay if you remember you know he went into the widow's home where he raised up you know the dead he was fed with cake all right i'm just saying you know maybe many pastors many prophets like cake your pastor doesn't like cake i mean it's it's no harm if you get me but no never mind i didn't say that okay and he looked and there by his head is was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water so he ate and drank and he laid down again god loved him so much that he was willing to provide for him even though he was hungry and you know it says the angel of the lord came back the second time and touched him and said Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and look at this. He went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights. Every time Elijah felt hungry, even though he was disappointed, even though he had chosen to walk away from God for a certain period of time. God was still loving to care for him through the journey that he was going through. Number one reason why I believe Elijah was disappointed was because he had unmet expectations he was hoping god would do something for the children of israel did not happen and here's number 2 unexpected opposition the second one unexpected opposition um, unexpected opposition now i want you to think about elijah elijah had faced opposition from many people okay he had faced opposition you know from king ahab and his wife jezebel okay he had faced opposition from probably you know the 850 people the prophets of baal but the opposition that he did not expect was from a source that he had never thought or never seen it come before i want you to look at you know that scripture the first kings chapter 19 verse 9 to 10 
and there he went into a cave spent the night in that place and behold the word of the lord came to him and he said to him what are you doing here elijah so he said i have been very zealous for the lord god of hosts for the children of israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left and they seek to take my life you know it's easy to handle opposition criticism you know negativity that comes in from somebody else it's so easy to handle that but how do you handle opposition adversity criticism hate all that negativity if it comes from a source that you did not expect elijah was ready to take on ahab and jezebel i believe that with all my heart elijah was ready to take on opposition that came from outside but many times here's what i want us to understand church opposition often does not come from outside opposition comes from inside the children of israel were opposing him and these were the people that he came for these were the people that he was rooting for these were the people what's this now he loved these were the people that were near and dear to his heart but these same people that he loved so much these same people that were so near and dear to him they were the ones who opposed him and said elijah who who, who on earth are you See it's easy to handle opposition if it comes from outside the family. But what if people in your own family come and oppose you? You know what the enemy loves to do? If the enemy wants to tear down something, if the enemy wants to tear down a family, you know, he does not bring opposition from outside. Because you know if a family, if a husband wife, you know the children, they handle adversity that comes from outside. You know what adversity does to them? Trials and challenges. It only makes them stronger. It does not tear them down. but if the enemy wants to you know destroy a family you know what he does he brings a division between the husband and the wife and that's enough some misunderstanding between the husband and wife that's more than enough you know sometimes you know i've seen this happen in churches you know sometimes you know if if god wants you know if the enemy wants to destroy you know the unity in the church you know what he does he does not bring uh, you know persecution and attacks from outside the attacks and persecution happen from within because that is what will tear down somebody and elijah you know came to a place where he was facing adversity he was facing opposition from the same people that he loved and he never saw that coming he never expected it to come you know i remember you know long ago um I mean, many years back i remember having this conversation you know with somebody and and we were talking about you know unforgiveness and we were talking about you know all of those things and and one of the things you know that 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 came you know at the end of that conversation was you know i asked him this question hey would you be upset and hurt let's say you get into a bus and you know a bus conductor shouts at you would you get upset and hurt so i want to ask you this question if you get into a bus and the bus conductor shouts at you because you didn't have appropriate change or you know you didn't give would you get when he gets angry at you and he shouts at you would you get hurt and upset you like i know this guy i mean it's okay but what if you go home and the one that you love the most blasts you at the you know at the core and the the, the their heart you know this blow their lungs out on you for something that maybe you did maybe you didn't even do it maybe you were innocent of it how would you feel what's the difference between the you know the hurt that you experience from a guy who you barely know versus someone that you love so much who do you get hurt more with the one that you love there's no question about it 
because you know you're not going to see these other people again you're never going to see i mean i'm not saying that you don't get hurt yes you do okay let's say you go to the class and maybe you know your lecturer blasts you for something you know that you did or you didn't do whatever you you would handle it i mean yes you would get hurt you yes you would get upset but you would be in a better position to handle it and let's say you come back home and you tell your mom or you tell your dad you know what you know that lecturer blasted me and then they blast you you know in addition to this who would you get more upset with come on church of course what you got from home because you never saw it coming you know what elijah i believe he is saying i expected to have to fight with ahab i expected to have to fight with you know jezebel but i never expected that i would have to fight with the children of israel because man i loved them i carried them in my and i believe you know that was the reason one of the major reasons why elijah was hurt and disappointed man you, i'm i'm with you guys why don't you understand i'm fighting for you i'm not against you i'm not the odd one out we are together in this why don't you see this the place where you expect you know the most encouragement and the most you know uplifting words to come in and many times when you're met with negativity and criticism and all hate words from the same source i'm telling you you're left in a place of bitterness and disappointment like no other when opposition comes in from a place that you least expect you're hurt like you never hurt before elijah is hurt and he's walking away he's just walking away he's just continuing to walk away why because man one god in answer the prayer that he expected him to number two you know he's he's facing opposition you know from the people that he he loved the most okay but but you know here's here's the thing about that scripture can okay no no yeah put go back to that scripture okay you know it was interesting you know what stood out you know from verse 10 okay when i was reading this i've been very zealous for the lord of god of hosts for the children of israel has have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left you know what's interesting what stood out for me from this verse is elijah had separated himself from the people i mean think about it okay elijah is also a children a child of israel and he's saying that you know what they not me they other ones have done this i mean come on elijah you're also one of them you're also a child of israel you know what what stood out for me i mean i don't know if you know young people will understand but families would you know when when uh, when when the children do mischief at home okay and when you know the spouse is complaining to the other one you know how it comes out your son has done this your son has done that i'm like hello they are our children they are not just okay we have one family that agrees thank you so much you your son you i'm like now is like my son now and I, i mean i mean think about this that's exactly what he's doing here isn't it he is pointing finger and saying you know your children you your children you know the ones that they've done this I'm saying listen church it's it's we have to understand listen many times you know it's not easy to handle the opposition so what, what do you do what do you do you know when you're in those moments when you're so disappointed you know people that you loved are hurting you so much people that you don't expect to hurt you are hurting you so much people you know that you rooted for are hurting you so much is one thing and god is not moving in answer to the prayers that you've been praying 
What do you do in those moments? And here's church, here's what I don't want you to miss about, you know, the life of Elijah. All through this thing, everything, you know, that Elijah has been complaining and grumbling and saying all of these things and he's walking away. And here's the thing about Elijah, you know, for the first time you read about scripture about Elijah, like I said, Elijah had an abrupt introduction. Elijah has walked in the places only where God has asked him to go. For the first time, you know, after he's been disappointed so utterly and so badly, he's walking into a place where, you know, God had not asked him to go. And God is still supplying him food, supplying him food, supplying him food. And you know what we read, the verse that we read earlier? He walked in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights till where? Till where? Can, can, you, can you go back? Go back? Go back as in go up. Like the previous point, the scriptures. I think verse 8. I want verse 8. Yeah. Look at this. He arose and he ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as where? Come on church. What does it say? It goes as far as Horeb. What is Horeb? Horeb is the mountain of God. You know what God is doing with Elijah? God is working behind the scenes. And that's what church we need to understand about our loving heavenly father. He does not leave us as orphans. He does not leave us abandoned. In the midst of our disappointment, God is still working. You know what God is doing? God is strengthening Elijah, you know, and provisioning him and guiding him to come back into the mountain of God. And you know what you find in the mountain of God? You find the presence of God in the mountain of God. And that is what, you know, he was doing with Elijah. He's bringing Elijah back into his presence, slowly, step by step. Yeah, Elijah, I know you're hurting. Yeah, Elijah, I know that you're, you know, disappointed in me. Yes, Elijah, I know that all of these things are happening in your life. But listen, I want you to come back into my presence. I want you to come back into my presence. And God is bringing Elijah step by step without him, in him realizing this, that he's coming back into the mountain of God. He's coming back into the presence of God. You know what's, what's interesting? He comes into the presence of God. Why? Because church, hear me when I say this. It's only in the presence of God you will experience change. It's only in the presence of God that you will experience transformation. You cannot go anywhere else. I'm telling you, you can go for rehab. You can go for, you know, counseling. You can go for all of these things. And I'm not against any of these things. I believe that. But I'm telling you, you want true change happening in your life. You need to get into the presence of God. And here's what happens, you know, 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, come down, verse 11 and 12. Can you go to verse 11 and 12? Verse 11 and 12. Then he said, God said, okay, now Elijah has come into this mountain and he's, you know, sitting in this cave. Okay, does, it, does this situation sound familiar? Sitting in a cave all by himself, all alone. Why? Because you're dis you know, disappointed, you're discouraged, you're disinterested about what's going on. Have you ever been there? You shut yourself in your room, you switch the lights off, you put the blanket over your head and you hope that no one will notice. And here's what he says. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and a strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. You know what God kept asking him? What are you doing here, Elijah? You read that previously. What are you doing here? Okay, And then he says, you know, don't, don't be here. Go out. Okay, stand outside the mountain. Stand outside and see what's going to happen. 
And there Elijah is watching all of these things happen. Okay, I just read it off very quickly. Okay, let me give you, give you that scripture with some effects. Are you ready? Okay. The, Behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind <laughs> tore into the mountains and broke the rocks before the Lord. And the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake. I, that's my pad. Okay, sorry. At least I got your attention now. And all of these things are happening. And he doesn't find God anywhere there. All of these things are happening. He doesn't find God anywhere there. And then you know what happens? He finds God in, there was a fire. And he finds God in a small, still voice. And I want you to think about that just for a moment. Isn't it true that when you're discouraged, when you're disappointed, when there's so much of you know, chaos that you feel is going on and you're in the point of quitting, you don't want to listen to anything. And you know what God is saying? Listen, Elijah, I don't want you to look at all of these big things that's happening around you, but I want you to focus in on one small still voice and that's the voice that I'm going to speak to you. Many times, you know, we look for God in the wrong places. Can I say that again, church? Many times we look for God in the wrong places. We do. We play, you know, some worship music and we're hoping that, man, God speaks to us there. Doesn't happen. We, we you know, we, we listen to some message or, you know, today we have what's called as Instagram messages. Have you heard that? Okay, an Instagram message is not the DMs that you get on Instagram. That's not what I'm talking about. Instagram messages are, you know, those snippets of sermons that they keep on, you know, many church Instagram pages where they just show snippets and you're like, huh, that's the word for me from God today. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God is saying, listen, don't look for them. Don't look for me in all of those places. Come into my presence and there's a small still voice which, which I want you to pay attention to. And that's where God starts speaking to him. You know, uh, I think probably in the last 10 years now, okay, 10 years now or so, um, they say, you know, 10 years ago, probably almost 10 years ago, they say the number one disease that existed in today's world was what's called as myocardial infarction. It's generally known as, you know, what's your heart attack. They say that was the number one cause for death, you know, for most people worldwide almost 10 years ago. But you know, like within the last, I mean, I would say in the last five years, it's increased like drastically, okay? The number one position has been given to somebody else now. Do you know what that is? It's no longer MI. It's no longer, you know, heart attack that rules, you know, the top of the number one diseases in the world. The number one disease they say that exists today in the world is a world called depression. Have you heard of that? It's called depression, okay? I, I want to, you know, put up, you know, three pictures today. And I want you to look at these pictures and I want you to see if you can identify who these people are. Can you put the first one? Who's this? Anybody? I can't hear you. Abraham Lincoln. Have you heard of him? Abraham Lincoln was supposed to be one of the, you know, topmost presidents that people in the US still look up to. Why? Because he was responsible for a lot of things. One of the main things that he was responsible for was abolishing slavery. All right? So this is Abraham Lincoln. Okay? Next one. I was hoping the guys would come up with that, but it seems the girls know more, her more than the guys. Okay. Angelina Jolie, popular Hollywood actress. Okay, They say at one point in her career, she was one of the most highest paid Hollywood actresses ever. Alright? Next one. Let's see how many of you get this. No. I mean, at least, you know, the era is right. 
Anybody? Who's this? No one? Okay, so you really don't know your preachers that well. This is Charles Spurgeon. Anyone heard of Charles Spurgeon? Okay, he's an 18th century preacher. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. Even today, even to this day, his books are sold. They say that, you know, when he would preach, you know, people would just, you know, gather together in crowds. He was one of the most popular preachers of his time. And you know, these three pictures, the reason I show you these three pictures is because all three of them had one thing in common. And, you know, I deliberately picked up, you know, three of these because three of them lived in different time eras. I mean, Angelina is still alive, but the other two are dead. But I'm saying all three of them had different time eras. But they had one common thing. You know what that one common thing was? All three of them suffered from what's called as depression. They did. All three of them had depression. And you know what depression does? Depression, you know, allows you, you know, to take your eyes off everything and it starts looking at you inwardly. It makes you start looking at you and it covers you with a blanket of negativity. It covers you with a blanket of hopelessness. It brings you into a place where you think that, man, this is the end of the world. Things are not going to move forward the way that I hoped it would. Abraham Lincoln had reached that place in his life. Angelina Jolie had reached that place in his life. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers who was preaching about God and the things of God, he too had reached a place like that in his life. Here's what I don't want us to miss, church. Okay. You know, it says about Jesus, you know, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 3. Okay, here's what it says. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Look at this now. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Okay. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. I want us to look at this, you know, it says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, some translations, the spirit of heaviness is also written as a spirit of depression. Depression, you know, it weighs down heavily on you. It weighs down this. And here's what I don't want us to miss, church. Here, it says that depression is a spirit. Do you know what the world teaches us today? The depression is an emotion. I disagree with that. Depression is not just an emotion. Okay, you meet a psychologist, you meet, you know, a psycho, psycho, <laughs> I can't say that, my wife is a psychologist, okay, but I'm just saying, okay, so I'm just saying, you know, this is what they say, it's an emotion, and you just need to, you know, deal with that emotion, and can I tell you something, church, which the world is not teaching, and the world cannot teach it, because it does not know it, the depression is a demonic spirit that comes and sits on you. And it covers you up, you know, it, it just covers you up with all of this negativity and it, it makes sure that you focus on yourself and all of the problems that you have in your life. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do with us, church. Satan wants us to, you know, when we go through a difficult situation, when we, you know, are, when we're disappointed, when we were hoping that things would turn out this way, it doesn't. And maybe having criticism and negativity come from within the family, within the ones that we love. You know what Satan wants us to do? Satan wants us to come into this place where we say that, man, you're all alone. There's no point in living anymore. You might as well end it all. And that's exactly the place Elijah had reached. That's exactly the place Elijah had reached. He started looking at inwardly and he started saying that, you know, I'm, it's no point. I'm no better than my father's. And where do you think these thoughts came from for Elijah? Satan was constantly bombarding him with these thoughts. Look at you. Look at you, anything that you have done, oh, big Mount Carmel victory. What have you accomplished with that? 
and many times i'm telling you church the enemy will come and give you these thoughts and you know your victories he will crumble like bits into pieces right in front of your eyes and you will feel so worthless and so hopeless that you think that man god where are you and that's exactly what the spirit of depression does and you know what's the solution come on church you know what's the solution it's right there the garment of praise you know what you should do you should remove that blanket of depression and you should put on a garment of praise you know all of us are so well dressed this morning okay turn to the person sitting next to you you look so good this morning come on tell them that you look amazing man you amazing okay you look so much better than me you know what he's saying listen put on the garment of praise you need to learn to come into a place where you no longer look at yourself you start looking at the lord here's what david says you know in the book of psalms chapter 16 verse 8 to 9 he says i have set the lord always before me can can we just read that together the this the first part the whatever i underlined all right can we all go together i have set the lord always before me that's a declaration i want us as every individual to make as a church i have set the lord before me yes the situation around me is not great i am in a chaotic place right now in my life everything around me is messed up everything around me is falling and you know into crumbs and pieces right now and i can't make head or sense or tail of what is happening around me but here's what i choose to do in the midst of everything that is happening in my life i have chosen to set the lord before my eyes it's a conscious decision that he makes saying that listen i don't care if everything is crumbling around me i will continue to look at him and as, as a result you know what he says because he is at my right hand and i shall not be moved here's what david is saying i shall not be moved you can't shake me up where i am right now why because my eyes is no longer on myself the my eyes is no longer on my problems my eyes is on my I shall not be moved therefore he says my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh will also rest in hope there is hope in the presence of god david goes on you know psalms chapter 34 was 1 to 3 here's what he says okay these are conscious decisions deliberate decisions that david has kept on making verse chapter 34 was 1 to 3 i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth God is not moving in the way that I expected him to do. God is not doing anything the way that I'm hoping that he would do. But you know what? I will bless him at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It's he, David says there, oh, magnify the Lord with me. How many of you have ever used a magnifying glass? Magnifying glass. What does a magnifying glass do? What does it do? Come on. The ones who raise your hands, most of you raise your hands. You know what it does? It magnifies. What does it mean? What? Yeah. What what's bigger? anything that you point your lens at if it's a small thing what happens it becomes big now here's a question did the size of that thing change when you used a magnifying glass on it what changed 
your perception here's what david is saying god's size does not change god is always big come somebody say amen our god is always big but you know what he's saying i'm going to use a magnifying glass not on my problems because every time i use a magnifying glass i use it on my problems and you know what magnifying glass does it enlarges the problem much bigger than what it really is come on church but you know what he's saying i'm going to shift the focus of this magnifying glass up to the lord my god is bigger than my problems my god is bigger than my problems and that's what david is saying listen i'm going to magnify the lord and would you come together with me and magnifying and in magnifying this god let's do it together let's do it together you see church here's what i want us to think about when you worship the lord when you come into the presence of god you know what you do as you start looking to him as you start you know focusing you know taking your eyes away from all the negativity and taking your eyes away all from the problems and you start looking at the lord and you're going to look at the lord and you know the lord is still the same in size but when you start magnifying his presence much more in your life you know what happens i'm not saying that your problems will change no but your perception changes and you're able to go back into that problem with a greater sense of renewed purpose and passion and energy and you're able to head on face those problems that are there and that's exactly what happened in Elijah's life Elijah came into mountain of Horeb he came into the presence of God and you know as he began to magnify the Lord why because God was saying listen listen to what I'm speaking to you Elijah in the midst of his disappointment hey Jezebel was still to take there to take his life but elijah because he was in the presence of god he was able to see god in a much more bigger light and you know you read the end of his story he goes back you know to the place of his calling he continues to do what god had called him to do church i want to close you know with something that happened to us as a family this week okay uh like i said in the beginning of today's message okay i mean man this 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 has not been easy to give this has not been easy you know this has been literally we've been through fire and back okay and i told some of you last week okay my oldest son john he was down with fever my mom was sick with fever last week okay and our little son jeremiah you know he was also you know with up and down fever here and there and i remember you know like we went to the doctor we went to the pediatrician they gave us some medicines but john's you know condition seems to be deteriorating you know getting worse and worse and worse and worse no matter what medication that we gave no matter what we did and you know in midst of it all you know jeremiah's condition was also getting worse and worse my mom was like you know up and down she was like having cold and fever and i mean she she was up and down but what really hit me was when you know my wife she also took a toll and she also had fever it started on tuesday and she went down with the fever so i wanted to think about this okay this last week this happened last week the only two healthy people or so healthy people was me and my little 5 year old middle son ethan everybody in our family was down with fever and sickness and i remember wednesday okay we were so worried about john because man he was literally like going down and down and every time i would call the doctor he would say you know just give this or give that and wait and i think by wednesday evening he gave up and he said i think you need to rush him into the hospital and get him admitted and i remember you know being in that state where i felt like man you know what i'm just sinking and i'm sinking and i'm sinking and i had no idea what to do should we go to the doctor in the 
this thing should we get him admitted what's going on and she's also you know in a very bad state you know physically and and all of these things are going on and the only person you know that's healthy a little bit was my son Ethan and you know how Ethan is he's just running around and playing and trying to do stuff and I remember sitting down that day and I, I thought to myself that evening Wednesday evening was probably you know when I hit my lowest of my lowest and I said you know what I think I should just quit I should quit the church I should quit everything you know what maybe I should just devote more time you know to spending time with the family and I should just devote you know more time to them I should take care of them and I should be there for them and I came to that place and I remember the last thing that I had in my mind was you know what I think just as a family we just need to come together and we need to just spend some time praying in the presence of God and I remember that evening, I think it was around 7, 7.30, everybody's sick except me and Ethan and, you know, all of them, you know, we, we all got together and each of us, you know, we took turns, even John, you know, my son, he prayed. All of us, you know, we took turns and we prayed and I'm not joking when I say it, when the prayer was over, okay, John who had been literally bedridden for three days after the prayer was over, suddenly it was like, you know, new life had come into his body. He just woke up and he's like, is there food in the house? And I'm like, there's much food in the house. I mean, how much food do you want? Okay, and, and we, he was, he suddenly became active. No explanation. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just maybe, a, you know, a few hours ago, you know, he was so bad that the doctor said, you need to get him admitted. Suddenly, you know, he came back to life. Literally like coming back to life. And I'm telling you, church, when you get into the presence of God, there's something that happens there. I can't explain it in words. Words may not be enough to, you know, to explain what happens there. But it's true, when you get into the presence of God, no matter how difficult your situation is, no matter how much you reach a place where you decide that, you know what, I want to quit. I don't think I can hold this anymore. In those moments, when you get into the presence of God, God does something which you can never imagine. God is exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can possibly ask or imagine. He can. But are you willing to come into the presence of God and say, Lord, I'm disappointed in you. But I'm still willing to trust you in the midst of all of these things that's happening in my life. That really spoke to me. And I pray that it spoke to you as well. I want you to remember this. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at. Our Heavenly Father is always with you. I want to say this. If you need prayer or you want to reach out to us, send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You know, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again. And I'm really hoping to see you next week.